0: Amen. Today, I just want to take some minutes today to talk to you as we begin to bring to a close the series that focuses on God's grace. God's grace. Uh, We've been talking a lot about receiving, receiving the grace of God. And we said something about grace. We said that grace is given to us by God. It's a gift. It's unmerited favor. What is grace? All of the favor, all of the mercy, all of the goodness, all of the kindness that we receive from God. We don't deserve it, we don't earn it, but God gives it. Anybody thankful? Grace is good. And so we said throughout the weeks that, you know, a lot of times we sing about grace and we talk grace and we like to glorify grace, but how many of us are actually walking grace, receiving grace, and practically taking steps in understanding this grace that God has given us? It's most, most times what I encounter is that there are a lot of people who go through the, the, the cycle of shame, you know, which begins with, I'm super motivated to live for God. I'm super motivated. This time I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And then we fall short. And instead of taking our failure to God, we kind of just sit in a rut for a while in that failure. We, we hang out with condemnation. We eat every ounce of ice cream left in the fridge. We binge watch everything that we're not supposed to. And then when we're sick and tired of that, we're like, okay, maybe I need to change here. And we go through renewal. So from motivation to condemnation to renewal. It's a cycle. And I just got to tell you, God has more for you than that cycle. I just got to tell you, God has more for you than that cycle. Anybody excited about that? Even in our failures, we can grow and trust the Lord. And so, uh, uh, as we've been talking about grace and receiving God's grace, uh, we said several things about grace. Grace is a teacher. Grace can teach us, right, to know who we are in Christ and to live a holy life. And we also said that there are several ways that we can receive God's grace. And we've been talking about the different ways we receive God's grace. Number one, we said we receive God's grace through His Word. If we're in the Word of God, we're going to receive His grace. And we said, number two, that we receive His grace that we receive the grace of God uh, through the fellowship, through hanging out with each other, to being connected together. And so those messages are on the web- website, if you'd like to check it out, at therock-ag.com, therock-ag.com. You can listen to those messages there. But if you notice, Acts chapter 2, verse 42, right after the Holy Spirit was poured out over the church, you notice that the Bible says this, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, for us, the Word of God, the Bible, and the fellowship, and to the breaking of bread and of prayer. And so there was this commitment to these three things. And look at the outcome. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common, Okay? So I want you to see these people were practicing, right? They were living. They were devoted to the prayers and to the Bible and, and, to, uh, and to the fellowship. And that's a way that we receive God's grace in us. They lived that way. There were things that were happening. The power of God was present in their lives. The joy and contentment that God brings was present in their life. They walked in extreme generosity, right? The people were being saved left and right, right? That's, I want that to be the story of my life, right? I, w- I want to experience the power of God. I want to I have reverence for my brothers and my sisters in Christ. I want to rejoice with them. I want to celebrate life. I want to be, ha- be happy in Jesus. Don't take me to no church with people who can't smile. And I tell your face that Jesus loves you, right? I, you know, I want to enjoy this life that God has given me. God has given me this life that I may live it to the full. Right? And so even in the midst of the challenges and the trials and the storms, God is good and he's worth celebrating. And I want to be with people who know that. Yes. Right? So there's the prayer, there is the, uh, there is the fellowship, and there, there is the word. And today I want to talk about receiving God's grace through prayer. Receiving God's grace through prayer. And maybe this is intimidating because you have some issues with prayer, or maybe you heard somebody preach a message that confused you about prayer, or maybe I preached a message that confused you about prayer, right? So today, we're just going to keep it simple. My goal, my hope, every time that I prepare a message, every time that we teach anything from, from the pulpit here, our goal is this, that you get it so that you can live it. We want you to get it so that you can live it. That's it, right? If you don't get it, you can't live it. So we want you to get it so that you can live in it. And so we're going to talk about prayer in a very practical, practical terms today. We're probably going to take about a couple of weeks to dive into receiving grace through prayer because I believe that if you and I commit to prayer, powerful things are going to happen. If this church is a praying church, that's all we need to be. God takes care of the rest, right? Everything else, everything will be fueled by a powerful prayer life. And God wants you, God has ordained for you. God desires for you to have a prayer life, right? I believe it with all all of my heart. But before we dive into everything about prayer, let's just define it. What is prayer? You ready? It's kind of complicated. Talking to God. That's it. No, no deep revelation here. It's just talking to God, hearing from God, knowing that God is there with you, and being aware of his presence. So we're talking about prayer. That's what we're talking about. Okay? It doesn't have to be more complicated than that. That is powerful all by itself right? That says a whole lot all by itself. And so I believe that God wants us to walk in this reality every single day and that we would grow in this reality. Now, in light of this truth, I know that today there are things that hinder us from receiving the grace of God through prayer. Many of us have hindrance to prayer life. And what I want to do today is just address four of those hindrances as we dive into understanding prayer. Number one, here's one hindrance that I'm all of these hindrance, by the way, I know very well. I've been there done that. All of these hindrance, I understand them completely. Hindrance number one I don't know how to pray. I don't know how to pray. I don't pray. Pastor, I don't pray because I don't know how to pray. You know, I don't know if you've ever been in the service and somebody started to pray and they were like, wow, there was so much authority. And then there was like, wow, like something special was happening, like something supernatural was happening as they were praying. And there was like some words. You don't know if they were speaking Spanish or English or in tongues, but you really don't know what that word meant, right? And you're like, I can't pray like that. I, I just don't know how to pray, and I don't know if I'm going to say the wrong thing. I, I, just, I just don't pray because I don't know how, right? There are some people who are really... Who, who struggle with prayer because they don't feel like they're in, uh, they are able to pray. As a matter of fact, I remember I was talking to a sister who many, many years ago said to me, well, I, don't, you know, I don't come to church because you call people to pray in the middle of service. And I don't know if you're going to call me, so I just decided not to come so that you don't call me to pray. Like, prayer is in- I was so glad that she was so honest. Right, right. right because it, it's a, some people are really intimidated. Hang up number two. Hindrance number two. I don't pray because I'm not worthy. I don't pray because I'm not worthy. Listen, pastor, I would pray, but here's the deal. I, I'm like a failure waiting to happen. I fail to fail to fail to fail to fail to fail to fail. I know what I'm not supposed to do, but I keep doing that anyway. I got addictions. I got issues. I got problems. How can I come before God when I know the truth and I keep falling short and I have no excuse and I have no control? I have all this shame. I have all this guilt. It keeps me from praying. I can't imagine bringing me before God. I can't imagine bringing me before God. I know that hang up really well. I know what it is to be in in ministry, studying to be a preacher, and battling with an addiction to pornography and wondering when in the world is this going to let up. I know what it's like. I know what it's like. And to feel that shame and guilt and to have that shame and guilt make us feel like we can't come close to God. Consequently, what we need is to get close to God. But I'm preaching the message before it's time. Number three. Number three, hang up number three. I would love to pray, but I don't have, I don't have time to pray. There's so many things that I got to do. I got to be productive. And pastor, sometimes I really want to pray, and, you know, I get excited about it, or I'm, I'm going to go d- get down to pray, but then I start thinking about everything that I got to do. And then I get anxious. Shouldn't you be doing something? Isn't there something better to do with your time? Don't you know you got to take care of this? Don't you know you need a job to do this? Don't you know you need? Before you know it, you know, I'm more stressed than at rest. Anybody ever been there? I don't have time to pray, therefore I don't pray. And hindrance number four. It's a big one. You ready? Pastor, I don't pray because I don't know that I can trust God anymore. I've been disappointed by him. I've been hurt. I've prayed about certain things. I expected him to come through, and he did it. He did it. And I don't know that I want to trust him. I'm hurting here. I totally get it. I understand it. I want to tell you that all of these all of these four hindrances have one thing in common. You know what it is? It's this. I. I. I don't know how to pray. I am not worthy. I don't have the time. And I am disappointed. I. I. And I want you to know that prayer is not just about where we're at. Prayer is about who he is. And so when we pray, we got to take into account not only us, but we have to take into account who God is, right? Who God is. And those who have powerful prayer lives or those who have effective, consistent, growing prayer lives are not those people who have it all together. They're not people who feel worthy all the time. They're not people who necessarily have the time, and they're not people who are not disappointed. That's not the case, you know? We all go through all that. However, they handle all that stuff a lot differently. They think differently about themselves and about God and about the Word, and I believe that it'll help us. They have a revelation about that reality that I think if we have, it will help us have a more effective, a healthier prayer life. How many of y'all want to have a stronger prayer life, stronger connection to God? I certainly do. Okay, so number one, people who are growing in their prayer lives, people who are growing in their prayer lives, they don't say, they don't focus on, I don't know how to pray. Instead of saying, I don't know how to pray, they say this, I believe in God's promises. I believe in God's promises. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 on down, Jesus talking to the disciples about how to pray. He says, ask and you'll receive. Knock and I'll answer. Seek and you'll find. And I'm paraphrasing, but it's on the screen. And it says, if, if, you're, if you're a father and you have a son and the son comes up to you and asks you for bread, is he, are you going to give him a stone? If he asks you for fish, are you going to give him a snake? Well, if you who are not good or evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give you what you need? Right? So a person who has an effective prayer life, a growing prayer life, is not a person who says, I know exactly what to say. No. A person who has a growing prayer life is a person who says, I know his promises, and I know that he keeps his word. See, you see, he is a good person. Father, have you ever heard this before? Oh, be careful what you pray, because if you're not careful with what you say, you may get stuck with it. And then you're going to be in trouble. You ever heard the joke about the couple that was out at the beach? They were married for 30 years. They both got married on their birthday, and it was their 30-year anniversary, and they walked up to a lamp and Lo and behold, it was a genie's lamp, and they rubbed it, and a genie came out, and the genie looked at the wife and said, whatever you want, your wish is my command. What do you desire? She said, I want a diamond rock as big as that beach, and boom, just like that, she had this rock that weighed her hand down. It was beautiful. And they said to the husband, he says, your wish is my command. What do you want? And the husband said, I want a wife that's 30 years younger than me, and boom, just like that, he was 90 years old. Be careful what you say. That's not God. That's just a bad joke. And sometimes some people treat God like that. It's like, oh, be careful what you say, because then you're going to be stuck, and God's going to be in heaven. That is not God. Really? Your God is a good father. He knows what you need. When my kids used to speak to me and they didn't, you know, as they are growing up, they don't know how to speak. We still care for their needs. Some of you who have babies here, you understand, you know, they don't have words, but they start crying bloody murder for everything. Bloody murder, change my diaper. Bloody murder, feed me. Bloody murder, I'm happy. It's like, can you stop crying, please? (laughs) Right? It's like we can't wait for them to communicate, but we still love on them. We love on them in the midst of that. And we, we we appreciate that they're trying to communicate to us. It'd be dangerous if they didn't. I remember when my Elena was two years old, cute as a button, chunky as could be, with big cheeks. And she would put her hand up and she goes, Daddy, pick up me. <laughs> and I said, Yes, Lena, I pick up you. <laughs> and my Mia, she used to wear love wearing her bathing suit, right? All throughout the house. And she would come up to me and say, Daddy, can I wear my obeying suit? It's like girl, you know you can wear that obeying suit. All day long. Put on that. I I prophesy that you will wear an obeying suit all the days of your life. Come on. Right? And we love it. I found it endearing. Right? And those are moments that I'll cherish and have for the rest of my life. Don't you think that God finds you endearing when you seek him? Don't you think that as you come to him with your brokenness and your hurt and your inability to speak, don't you think that he knows what you need? He's a good father. So next time when you go to prayer, don't worry about how to pray or if you have the right words to pray. Just focus on the fact that he's a good father. That's what matters. Number two, those who have a growing prayer life don't think I am not worthy. They think I have been qualified. They think I have been qualified. I want you to repeat after me. I have been qualified. I have been, repeat after me means I say it, and then you repeat after, I have been qualified. I have been qualified. You you guys are awesome. (laughs) That's what the Bible teaches us. When you go to Colossians chapter 1, on down, Paul prays one of the most powerful prayers that you find being prayed over the church. You've been prayed for before you were born. And this is what Paul says, I am praying. Let's just read it. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. In other words, he's saying from the moment that you committed to Christ, We have been praying that God will give you all the revelation, all of the wisdom, everything that you need so that you can live out this life for him and give him the glory. Verse 11, 11, that you will be strengthened with all power, not just some power, all power. That you will be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience. Boy, I need that. And giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified Tina who has qualified Lee, who has qualified Nina and Rita, who has qualified Ben, who has qualified Michelle, right? God has qualified us to share in the inheritance of his holy people, in in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of his son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He's qualified you. And why has he qualified you? Because you've done the right things? Because you've made no mistakes? Because you don't fail? No, he qualifies you because he loved you. He paid the price on the cross, the ultimate price that could be paid. Paid the price of his precious blood to cleanse you, not so that you will be covered, so that your sins will be covered, but so that you will be completely cleansed, your heart completely new, and you will be a new creation in Christ Jesus. He qualified you. You did not qualify yourself. God has qualified you. But here's the deal. There's a difference between qualified and arrived. You're qualified, but you haven't arrived. And until you get to see Jesus in eternity forever, you've not arrived. We're on this journey. And that is the story of the entire Bible in Exodus when God was about to redeem his people from the slavery in Egypt, and he had to meet the Passover meal. As they ate their meal, what did he say? Keep your shoes on and get ready to move, right? Receive the Passover and get ready to move, because I'm bringing you out of this land. Well, the Passover was a symbol of what Jesus was going to do and we receive our lamb jesus christ we receive him we receive them into our hearts and into our lives and you know what the holy spirit says to us the moment we receive him get ready to move because you don't belong here you belong to another kingdom get ready and so as we move we're not from this world but we are growing growing in him and we fall short but we get up and we keep moving we have been qualified by him let me tell you something. This is for somebody here today. If you are tormented over the fact that you hate and you love your sin, the Holy Spirit is working on you. You're here today and you're saying, I hate the fact that this sin has a hold of me. I love the I, I, I want to live for the Lord. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. God has done a qualifying work in your life. He has qualified you, but you haven't arrived. Neither have I. Can I get a witness? Don't, don't say it too loud. That was just a joke. No. All right? All right. All right. Here's a third, third point here. Those, those who have an effective growing prayer life understand that they cannot bear fruit if they don't pray. They understand that they are unproductive without a prayer life. We are completely unproductive if we don't take some time aside to acknowledge that God is with you, to, uh, with us to talk to God and to hear from him by being in his word and by listening to the way that he may speak to us through others and through so many other means. God calls us to prayer because without prayer we can produce nothing. 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 Okay? Without prayer we produce nothing. Story in Luke There's a story in the the Gospel of Luke about two sisters, Mary and Martha. And Mary and Martha are, you know, in their home, and Jesus is there with his disciples, and there are some preparations that need to take place while Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus. Jesus is talking, and Mary is just sitting at the feet of Jesus doing absolutely nothing but listening, while Martha is doing all kinds of work, right? Martha's doing all the work of preparation, And finally, Martha looks at her sister and is so upset over the fact that she's doing all the work while Mary's just sitting there at the feet of Jesus, like, whatever, really, Mary? Can you get on up and do something? That she addresses her and Jesus in front of everyone and says, Jesus, doesn't it, like, bother you that my good-for-nothing scoundrel sister? No, doesn't it bother you that my sister is just sitting there while I'm doing all this work? Tell her to get up! Tell her to get up. And, and what does the Bible say about Martha? It's very interesting. It says Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus doing what she was supposed to do. But what was Martha doing? But Martha was distracted, preparing. Let me tell you, there's a lot of good things God didn't call you to do. There's a lot of good things God may call you to do, but maybe not in this time. And, you know, Christian, can you listen to me? Maybe you've gotten to the point where the devil's not interested in getting you to deny Jesus. He knows maybe, you know what, Mary's gotten to the point she's not going to deny Jesus. You know, Desiree's getting to the point where she's not going to deny Jesus. So i got to have another game plan. Ooh, I'm going to distract Desiree with a bunch of different, I'm going to distract Mary with a bunch of different ministries, things that God didn't call her to do so that I can keep her from doing the real work that matters. I realized that what God does, what what the devil does, is he tries to keep me distracted with a lot of good things, but they're not what God called me to do. And the first thing that God called me to do is to have a relationship with him. The very first thing. And what does God say to Martha? Martha, Martha. Thank God for his grace. He didn't say, "Martha, get thee behind me," you know. He said, "Martha, Martha, you are you are worried about many things and troubled by many things." Christian, I don't know about you, but I kind of relate to Martha. This scripture really hits me, right? Like I don't want to marry next to me right now cuz this 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 dealing with me, right? But listen, listen, it says, "You are worried and troubled by many things let me ask you a question your christian life what defines it the peace and the rest and abiding in god or being worried and troubled by many things okay you don't have to confess it all out loud or anything you know that was rhetorical <laughs> but you know but it's something to consider right i got to confess a lot of my life man it's been worried and troubled and then look at what Jesus says. This is so offensive. Look at what Jesus says. You're worried and troubled about many things, but only a few things matter. Actually, only one thing matters. Are you kidding me? One thing? All these different, any, any multitaskers in this place? They're like, what do you mean one thing? <laughs> There's like a million things happening right here. <laughs> only one thing. Only one thing matters. Abide in Christ. And over and over again, John 15 says that unless you abide in me and I in you, you will bear no fruit. And then Acts chapter 6, portion of scripture says the apostles said, we will dedicate ourselves to prayer and to the word, which is what God calls us to do. And immediately they re- that released others to do the ministry God called them to do, and the church grew exponentially. Be convinced of this. If you don't pray, whatever you invest in, whether it be your time or your resources, you're wasting it. Prayer matters. And the last thing. Close. People people who have a growing prayer life are people who say, I've been disappointed. Yes, I've been disappointed by God. I don't understand why. But instead of running away from Him, I'm going to choose to run toward Him. I'm going to read Psalm 77 with you, and then I'm going to describe it, and this is how we're going to come to a close this morning. I love the Psalms because um, a lot of times there are broken people who are writing the Psalms, writing about their brokenness and their disappointment, and they're writing real open stuff. And it helps me to know that I can come to God with my heartbreaks. I can come to Him with my heartbreaks. Listen to Psalm 77. I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, and he will hear me. In the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. In the night, my hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. When I remember God, I moan. When I meditate, my spirit faints. Say, La. Meditate on that. You hold my eyelids open. In other words, I have no rest. This season in my life, I have absolutely no rest. No peace. It seems I'm in deep distress. Where is God? I'm so troubled that I cannot speak. Whoa. Man, have you ever been troubled to the point where you can't speak? That's like a whole nother exhaustion level. I consider the days of old, the years long ago. I said, Let me remember my song in the night. Let me meditate in my heart. Then my spirit made a diligent search. Will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? Has his steadfast love forever ceased? Are his promises at an end for all times? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he, has he in anger shut up his compassion? Meditate on that. Psalm 77, verse 10. Then I said, I will appeal to this. I will think of this. I will remember this. To the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God. You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the peoples. You with your arms redeemed your people and the children of Jacob and Joseph. Selah. Let me explain to you what that psalm is saying. You know what? In this season in my life, I'm just going to paraphrase what this psalmist is saying. In this season in my life, I'm going to cry out to God. I'm just going to cry out to God. Let me tell you exactly how I feel. I can't sleep. I feel like I can't sleep. My soul cannot be comforted. feels like, you know, I'm, I'm in distress. I'm troubled. I don't understand what's going on. God has not told me why he's allowed this season to take place in this point in my life. And I'm struggling. I'm struggling. I'm wondering if he's going to come through. I'm wondering if he's going to, if this is it. I'm wondering if there's any hope here. I am. But you know what I'm going to choose to do in the midst of this situation? I'm going to remember back of the things that God has done. This is what the Bible says. I will look to the years of the mighty right hand of God. I know that I'm in this tough season right now, and I'm I'm in this place of suffering. But I'm not going to just wallow in this. I'm not just going to... Be miserable and then call people to commiserate with me, right? To be miserable with me. There are a lot of people who do that in the Christian world. I'm going to leave that one alone. But you know, I'm not going to do that. Instead, I'm going to go back and remember what God has done. I want to remember what God has done. I'm going to hold on to what God has done. Now, here's the psalmist, and he said, I'm going to remember that God redeemed Israel from slavery, I'm going to remember what he did in their lives. And as I wait for him, I'll remember his wonders and I'll wait for him to do a mighty work. Nothing, none of that psalm is supposed to speak, this is so great, this is so comfortable, this is awesome. This is someone in the valley saying, I'm waiting for God. I don't even know why he's got me in this valley. I wouldn't be in this valley if it were my choice, but it is his choice. And I'm not going to wallow in misery. I'm going to trust him by thinking of the things that he's done, believing that he'll do it again at his appointed time in my life. Know this. Know this. If anyone can disappoint you, God will disappoint you. I want you to hear me. And he's not going to disappoint you because he's trying to break your heart necessarily. But he will disappoint you because he's a good father. And he'll only give you what he knows you need. And there are things that we don't understand on this side of eternity. But we know that in the midst of the disappointment, God has a plan. Would you stand with me today? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I believe that many of us today Need to have a Lieutenant Dane moment. ever seen Forrest Gump? There's a time where there's a guy who jumps off of the boat into the water, and he starts screaming out to God all his frustration and his hurt and his pain, and he's cussing up a storm. He's angry. He's frustrated. But then afterwards, he's at peace. God did a work in his heart and in his life, and he's a new man. Some of you may be in the valley of disappointment. Don't give up. You're a step away from your breakthrough. God may be doing something there. My godmother, when her husband died, she's a prayer warrior. And uh, she prayed to God, no, God, you're not going to take him from me. You're not going to take him from me. You're not going to take him from me. She looked at her husband, and her husband said, let me go. I'm ready to be with Jesus. (laughs) And finally, she said, okay, if you want him, I release him, just like that. He went to be with the Lord, and she was angry. She was angry. She cried and cried before God, and then she said to God, you see this ring on my finger? I'm not taking it off because you're going to be my husband, and you're going to provide for me like my husband provided for me. This is your problem now. (laughs) You know, someone said, well, that's not good theology. Nobody can talk to God like that. When it comes to prayer and you talking to God, it's not about what you say. God knows your heart. About a week later, the military came to her door. The military said, ma'am, we believe that your husband contracted hepatitis C through a blood transfusion that we gave. And we, we believe that we need to be responsible for that. We're going to take care of you from now on. You know, crazy story. I never, that was the first time I prayed and fast. I never prayed and fasted for someone's healing, like my pastor Black when he when he when he Blackie when he passed away. I mean, we prayed and fasted, and Blackie would look, he'd look at us and say, hey, God is healer even if he doesn't heal me. Never forget that, Carlos. God is healer even if he doesn't heal me. And you know, there's some things we just don't understand in this life. But I want to challenge you today. Run to God with your disappointments. Run to Him. Your breakthroughs right around the corner. Father, thank you for your church. Lord, thank you that we can receive grace through prayer. Today we know that prayer is not about knowing the right words. We know that prayer is not about the way we feel about ourselves. We know that We have to take the time to pray because we're unproductive, Father God, without prayer, we know that. And we know that we can run to you with our disappointments and our hangups and our heartbreaks and our confusion and our hurt. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that prayer is about you and your goodness and your kindness and your faithfulness. And I thank you for a growing church, a church of people that live and walk with a strong prayer life. Thank you, Lord. The altar workers begin to flood the altars right now. I want every altar worker to come up to the altar right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You're here today, and you're saying, "You know what, Pastor? I've, that really ministered to me. I'm the kind of person that said I didn't pray because I just didn't feel like I knew how to pray. But now I realize it doesn't. It's not what I say. It's about my Father being good. And today I commit to a prayer life. If that's you, if that's you, you say you relate to that reality. Would you raise your hand right where you're at? And let's pray for you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God." Thank you, Lord. So many brothers and sisters today, they're raising their hands, they're saying, man, it's so good to hear that I don't have to say the right things, that God knows my heart, that he knows what I need and that I can trust him. Thank you for leading them. Thank you for guiding them. And thank you that they will grow in their prayer life with you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, Pastor, I don't pray because I have Strong feelings of unworthiness. Strong, how can I bring me to God? I want you to know that God cannot wait for you to bring you to Him. All that you are, all your challenges, all your struggles, He's not going to turn you away, but He's going to turn toward you. If you're here today and you're saying, I'm going to give my condemnation, I want to give my guilt and my shame, to the Lord. I just give it away and I say, I receive that God qualifies me. I want to be qualified in Him. I receive that today. I need to receive that today. Would you come to the altar right now? Just run to the altar. Just come to the altar today. Saying, you know what? All my life I live feeling shame and I feel like I can't approach the altar because of guilt and condemnation. Today I want you to know that's over. That's over. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So we'd like to welcome you to come up to the altar right now. we love to pray with you. Then one last call. One last call. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, you know what? I've been hurt. And I've been asking myself, where was God? Where was God? But today you're saying, I'm not going to run away from God with my disappointment and my hurt. I choose to run to Him. If that's you, would you come to the altar right now? We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to pray with you. God can do a miraculous healing work with your brokenness and your hurt. The Lord loves you. He has a purpose for your life. You can take your disappointments to Him. You're just one step away from a breakthrough. I believe that that's you. We'd like to welcome you to the altar. Amen. Let me pray with you. May the God of grace and of all comfort, may the peace that passes understanding and joy everlasting fill your hearts. May you grow in understanding that you're loved by him and who you are in Christ. In Jesus' mighty name, Amen. amen. The altars are open. If you need prayer, we'd love to pray with you. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day. Have a great day.